shotglassdigital.com. This episode of Geek Out Loud, the Fantastic Four, one of my favorite franchises, superhero teams of all time, finally has a trailer for their new movie coming out. What do I think? That's what we're going to talk about. We got some Star Wars stuff too on your Safe Place to Geek Out, the Geek Out Loud podcast. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. Though we have been called to task from time to time about our no Star Trek, no Twilight policy. And I have a few things to talk about when it comes to the no Twilight policy here. Um, Got to call some people out. Got to, to today's show, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be a lot of shout outs, calling people out. And uh, just having a good time. All in good fun. I'm not mad at anyone. Not upset at anyone. There's no controversy that is gripping the Goliverse, except maybe one. But I think we've gotten to the bottom of it, and we'll talk about that um, as we get into it. I want to talk about a few things. First of all, the marathon was a huge huge success thank you to everyone who tuned in throughout the day hung out with us as people are doing right now live at mixer.com slash goliverse and um man what a what a great time we raised uh sixteen hundred and thirty five dollars total when all was said and done uh for cure childhood cancer you can find out more about them at curechildhoodcancer.org great charity great group and we were so pleased to be a part of of that on on that day for the Goliverse. It's going to be an annual thing, so strap yourselves in and get ready. I, I think it's a great way to spend the birthday weekend is, uh, is to do some charity work, to do the charity marathon. And I uh, just want to say thanks to everyone who, uh, who jumped on that. Now, in the days following said marathon, when we did the Patreon marathon, I tried every day to get an episode out that was recorded as well as a new episode of whatever we were doing that particular day. This time around was the the, the plan. Hey, Stutter and Steve, how are you? Glad to have you on the show. The plan was to do the same thing, but there were a few snags along the way last week and it just prevented us from doing, from being able to get out the content we wanted to get out. So uh, you're going to hear the geek out loud portion the Steve Star Wars corner portion. We've still got a Mark Out Loud portion to get out there. Um, you'll hear all those 
throughout the, the upcoming week or so just to get those out there to you. The Geek Out Loud ended up being this four-hour thing that happened. It was pretty amazing and so it's it requires a lot of editing because there was a lot of just conversation that took that took place and uh and we got to get the Erich Schoenweiss hour in there man we had a blast had a blast with Erich and you're only going to hear more and more of him on the show as the year progresses we talked some Indiana Jones and it was a good time so um I want to give some big shout outs here really quickly because there were so many People who sent birthday wishes and and even cards and gifts. I I always say send a card or gift appropriately around my birthday. It's it's half joking. I'm not gonna lie. I love getting presents. I absolutely love it. And and there were people who gave. And one particular person in particular, uh, Jared Pryor. And I don't know how in depth I need to go as to uh, what it was he sent me, but he sent me. Um, well, I'm just going to say this. A while back, we talked about Transformers, and I talked about Megatron, Megatron being my first Transformer. And he uh, and, and he got broken by my good friend as we were playing war one day. And, uh, you know, war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Sing it again, y'all. And, and so Jared sent me his own personal... From his childhood, Megatron, Trans- Generation One Megatron. It's got a. It's in a box. It's the and by in a box, I mean the original packaging. Um, you know, as Jared said, there's a few pieces missing, but the point is this: there's Megatron, and it was quite amazing. And Jared, I just wanted to give him a public shout out and say thank you. There were other few things in there that were really cool and and greatly greatly appreciated. Uh, from Jared and and uh, and Rich, of course. I'm looking right now, sitting here on the desk, is the Bigfoot action figure that Rich sent me way back at Christmas as uh, as my birthday present, and I love it, love it. Uh, it's it's it fits right in here in the old office. So um, just want to say thanks to everyone who who did that. And in talking about that, I'm going to break some podcasting rules here. Um, I had a friend here in town who went to Walmart and got me a Star Wars toy, or as I like to say, got me a Star Wars. And um, it's one of the one of the items that I've not been collecting. Hasbro has come out. What? Hey, Puberty Steve, how are you? Hasbro, Hasbro has come out with in the past year or so with their what they call the Black Series. It's a six-inch line of figures. It's something that never has never really been done in Star Wars toys before. Kenner, of course, started with that three and three quarters inch line, and they had the twelve inch figures as well. You know, Barbie doll size, GI Joe original GI Joe size, if you will. And Hasbro now putting their own stamp on things, and I imagine it's because of maybe the potential success of stuff like the Marvel Legends line and that sort of thing. I don't know why they chose to do this, but they did. Have done the six inch line, and I just wasn't going to get into it because I'm a three and three quarters guy. I feel like. That's Star Wars to me. And uh, so a friend got me Luke Skywalker in X-Wing gear, uh, the Black Series, 6-inch. And I'm like, oh, my Atlanta. Well, you know what this means now. Um, I'm, I'm, I need more of these. I must collect these now. And 
So I had a little bit of, you know, birthday money, a little bit of leftover Christmas money. And so I went and got myself a birthday present with said things. And I went to get ready. This is where I'm going to be breaking the podcast rules. Um, I went to dorksidetoys.com. Dorksidetoys.com. Now, if you listen to Rebel Force Radio at Shot Glass Digital, where you can also find Geek Out Loud, uh, you'll know that Dorkside Toys is a sponsor of Rebel Force Radio. I just want to give a shout out to Dorkside Toys. These guys are fantastic at what they do. These these things came well packed, well protected, mint condition, uh, case fresh, if you will, and they look great. And with it, there was a note in the box that uh, basically said, "Hey, Steve, love what you do on Rebel Force Radio." Kind of freaky, kind of Facebook, kind of checking me outish kind of thing, you know, getting getting all my information and, and making ads geared to me. But, uh, but yeah, it, I just thought it was really cool of those guys to, to do that. They know who they're sponsoring. They know what's going on. And I cannot recommend to you highly enough Dorkside Toys uh, for all your geeky toy needs. They've got Star Wars, Marvel, uh, Walking Dead, for you guys that are into that, all kinds of good stuff. And um, I'm just going to say this, guys, if you're listening, and I know you are, if you feel like you need a little bit more promotion, this one was free. The first taste was free. That's all I'm saying about that. Uh, but no, great, great service. Head to dorksidetoys.com. Use the banner over at uh, Shot Glass Digital and help out Rebel Force Radio. And leave them a note. Let them know you heard about them either on Rebel Force Radio or Geek Out Loud. But uh, I'm telling you, that's an unsolicited ad for Dorkside Toys because they just they treated me well. They did me right. And, uh, and man... Can't can't say thank you enough to those guys. Now, uh, speaking of the show and, and the podcast and, and, and the stuff we do, um, Valentine's Day is coming up. You want to get your geeky girl or geeky guy something cool, maybe some music, maybe uh, some movies, maybe a book, maybe even some toys or collectibles of some kind. You know where to go, Amazon.com. So head over to Amazon, head over to uh, geekoutpodcast.com or geekoutonline.com and use the Amazon links there and uh, and just do your shopping as you normally would, and it really helps out our shows. We I appreciate everyone who uses those links. It helps the shows out. It helps us pay uh, all of our hosting fees and that sort of thing that we have to pay. And, uh, and so if you head over to geekoutonline.com or geekoutpodcast.com, both sites have links and both help out the shows, and we appreciate you doing that. If you want to support the shows directly, you can head to patreon.com at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Now, we have several tiers of giving. We've got an exclusive t-shirt tier. Um, if you are new to the t-shirt, in other words, if you have done that tier in the past uh, three weeks, uh, you need to send me because it, there was no way to really do it on, on the site there. You need to make sure that I have your shirt size. Everyone else, we've got those exclusive shirts for you. Uh, they're coming in the mail to you. The first little batch has been sent out. More will be sent out along and along and along. Uh, hopefully by Monday, we'll have, and right now we're recording on Tuesday, hopefully by Monday we'll have everyone's shirts at least in the mail to them. And, uh, and so there you go, including Andy's. I don't know why he asked that in the chat, but yes, Andy, including yours, it'll be it'll be out to you. They look great. The Guardians of the Goliverse, 
we got this. And uh, it's a great first exclusive shirt. There'll be more exclusive shirts coming down the road. We've already got our second uh, design in and ready to be ordered. So uh, trying to treat all you guys right. That's at the $15 level or higher. For those of you at the $5 level or higher, we've got uh, the Iron Man 3 commentary is going to be coming to you this weekend. We are in phase two of the Marvel movies as we march toward Avengers Age of Ultron. And uh, month to month, we've just been watching those movies together. Iron Man two, or Iron Man three, rather, is uh, this week's or this month's, and uh, it should be interesting because I have some have some views about old Iron Man three that uh, are very much the geeky dorky kid um, stepping in and saying, uh, "I don't like this. I don't like this one bit." And you'll hear that if you get that exclusive commentary. Um, if you're at the $1 level or higher, you're on the Goloverse Wall of Fame. You can find that at geekoutonline.com. Click on Goloverse Wall of Fame. Everyone gets their name there. And a superpower. Our featured supporter this week is Emily Dixon. Emily has the unique power of stopping her enemies in their tracks as though in a photograph. With a flash from her magic bracelets, no one gets away when Emily is in pursuit. Emily Dixon, our featured supporter this week on Geek Out Loud. It's mail time. It's time to jump into some emails. See what I did there? I didn't say it. Let's jump into some emails. Uh, Andy, let me Google that for you. Lindeman chimes in. He says, listening to you and Scott Rifen talk about Secret Wars brought back so many memories. When I was a kid, I had a bunch of comics, north of 350 if I remember right. But most of it was The Flash and the three lines of Spider-Man books that were running at the time in the 80s. That would be, ladies and gentlemen, The Amazing Spider-Man, which is the original uh, title. The Spectacular Spider-Man, which was a secondary title that was added on. And The Web of Spider-Man, um, which focused more on the personal lives and aspects. But it was the third title that was thrown in that mix. Uh, he says, I did have one where Spider-Man touches the black goo and gets the black suit. But I was missing the next issue. Totally remember Hulk holding up the mountain. He's talking about Secret Wars now. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I missed a sentence. He said, I do remember Secret Wars, and I was so proud that I had almost the entire series. Twelve issues, right? Exactly right. And it was in Secret Wars where I was introduced to Claw, and I remember thinking, what the heck is up with this weirdo? Didn't Dr. Doom slice up Claw like a Thanksgiving turkey at one point? He did, and it caused Claw to go a little bit crazy, whereas Claw had always been this kind of sinister, um, just, you know, typical comic book villain after he went through this experience with dr doom um he goes nuts and he becomes kind of like the funny villain uh he says sidebars i know you're a fantastic four fan the only ff book i had was a what if where they had their power swapped or something like that i used to have one of those little books that came with a 45 record and it had the origin story on it it was cool uh i had a what if the fantastic four all had the same powers and it was four different stories where Every one of them got stretchy. Um, the next story was everyone went invisible. The next one was everyone was like flame people, like the Human Torch. And the last one was really sad. It was everyone becomes a thing uh, type monster. And, and it was kind of sad. Um, Avengers, I had several, but I really 
but I don't really remember much of what was going on. I had some West Coast Avengers books, too, with Hawkeye running the show. Yes, Andy, with Hawkeye running the show out on the West Coast with the West Coast Avengers. X-Men, I only had a couple. Too many characters and I had no idea what was going on. That is that is the most succinct, succinct, not succinct, succinct and accurate commentary on the X-Men title, parentheses S, uh, from the 80s into the 90s that I have ever seen. Uh, Justice League of America had lots, but it was mostly B-level characters. Yes, that was when the JLA was not quite the, the top-tier Big Seven, if you will. Uh, giant-sized books, I don't remember what they were called, but these were like giant-sized comics, usually a team-ups or versus like Superman versus Wonder Woman or Spider-Man teaming up with Doctor Strange or somebody. My first was a Justice League that had a young, shaven Green Arrow, possibly from the late 70s. Star Wars, I had a giant-sized comic that told part or all of A New Hope, but I don't remember anymore. Anyway, here's my comic story. I stopped buying Flash comics after they killed Barry Allen in the late 80s and replaced him with Wally. Wally West, that'd be Barry Allen's nephew, Iris's, uh, kid, Iris's sister's kid or brother's kid or some such. Um, wasn't big on Wally's character at the time, but the biggest turnoff was the change in the artwork. Eventually, my attention turned to music, and a few years later, my comics were all thrown away. We pause in silence for the thrown away comics. Fast forward to 2011 and I discover that I can get current issues and back issues on the internet. I read and, quote, collected hundreds if not thousands of issues, getting caught up on past stories and staying current with the new ones, especially the new 52. And Aquaman! Freaking Aquaman! I even purchased some software to organize my collection. Irony bought software to organize pirated comics. Well, there it is. He just I, I tried to not out you on uh, illegally or illicitly getting your comics, but I just did. And could search through the whole collection for certain artists, writers, characters, whatever you could think of. I was loving the stories, both Marvel and DC, and the artwork was gorgeous. But finally, some guilt came in about a year later. I'd been enjoying all this comic goodness, and none of the people who made the art were getting a dime from me. With a heavy heart, knowing I was doing the right thing, I deleted the whole lot. That's, that's, that's stand up of you, Andy. That's stand up, yeah. Doesn't, I mean, look, I don't want. I don't want to call out Andy in, in a big, bad way. Andy is responsible for one of the greatest drops we've ever had in the Goliverse. And, um, and, and I, don't want to, I don't want to tarnish that in any way. Let me Google that for you. Um, but I, I, mm, I just want to say this. You still enjoyed them. Keeping them, what's the big deal? Uh, so again, I'm out of loop with comics at some point. I hope to be in a better financial state with, uh, and will be a financial supporter. I go, you listen, you worry about yourself and taking care of you and your loved ones. Uh, and will be a Marvel Unlimited subscriber. And if they can get their act together, be some sort of DC Unlimited subscriber. subscriber. Until then, I watch the superhero movies in theaters or rent the DVDs and watch them on television or on the network episode or websites. And that is plenty satisfying. Enjoy the shows. Keep up. And keep having fun. Yeah, Andy, you know what? I think that's key right now. And I'm going to be honest with you. On the Marvel Unlimited app, I've been going back because of this whole Secret Wars thing that's coming down the pipe with Marvel. I've been going back and making sure I'm caught up on what's been going on. Because the one thing that they said in that press conference was that they've been building to this for a couple of years. So I went back and started reading the Avengers and the new Avengers titles that started, you know, about a year or two, two and a half, two a year and a half to two years ago. And I got to tell you, 
I've been kind of bored with what they're doing. I mean, it's knowing that it's building toward this thing. It's like you're building toward this and, and because of that, you're losing sight of some other stuff and there's no real like fighting bad guys. There's none of the, there's none of the stuff that I always loved about comics. A lot of the villains, it's that, it's that same thing. A lot of the villains that are really awesome villains for the FF, for the Avengers are getting pushed to the side for this big storyline that we're trying to drive to. And, and the conflict is becoming more about them versus this big, huge phenomenon, universal phenomenon, than, you know, someone trying to take over the world, someone trying to take over the universe, someone trying to uh, just destroy the Avengers. You know, whatever happened to good old-fashioned revenge? Revenge! Now we're talking. I have been enjoying The Hulk. I've been enjoying Amazing Spider-Man. Um, Fantastic Four, man, they're just tearing them apart in, in, in their title, uh, where they've got so far to on, on the Marvel Unlimited app. And right now, if you've got the Marvel Unlimited app and that's how you get your comics, we're in the middle of the original Sin storyline where the Watchers murdered. And it's just like, you know, everything has fallen apart in this universe and they really need what's coming with the Secret Wars thing, I think, to freshen things up. And I hope what happens is we don't get a full-on, like, post-crisis kind of reboot thing but i hope that somehow these characters are able to pull a miracle out and restore the universe as it once was and go on with their lives and we can get into some good um you know classic type stories so um so i'm just saying um that's Andy. Thank you, Andy, for chiming in. And and Andy mentioned I I, I know what I, I I got lost in my own rabbit hole there. Andy was talking about he's got the movies and the TV shows and stuff. And I'll be honest with you, um, I used to be an avid reader of Star Wars novels in the '90s. And when the prequels started coming out, I just started to drop off of reading. And then when the Clone Wars came around and now Star Wars Rebels. You know, it came to a point where I'm like, I'm getting my Star Wars through this other medium. And a lot of people, that's how they're, you know, getting their superhero fix is in the movies and on the TV screen. And with the direct-to-DVD or direct-to-video features and, you know, the cartoon series and everything. And I can't, you know, I can't fault anyone for getting their superhero fix that way. Uh, And I wouldn't blame anyone for doing it. You know, listen, reading... Comic book reading has become an expensive hobby, uh, which is a whole other topic and a whole other issue, but it has. It's become an expensive hobby. And 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 the way, it's kind of underhanded the way that they do these big events where you, you're made to feel like you've got to buy 50 extra comics to understand what's going to happen in the next issue of this event. And unfortunately that's just the way the business model has gone because they've realized, well, we can bleed everybody dry doing this. They're going to, it's, it's the next, for some reason we still buy into these big events and, uh, rather than let's just get the stories going and let's just tell good stories with these, with these characters that we have villains and heroes alike. Um, Matthew Marks chimes in. He says, Hey Steve, first off, great work with the show. I'm enjoying every episode as well as the other shows in the Goliverse. Looking forward to more bad impersonations theater, but I can't think of any specific suggestions. Yes, I can. Sylvester Stallone slash Rocky doing Aragorn's pep talk from Return of the King. The It Is Not This Day speech. Take it or leave it. Um, I'm going to take it, Matthew, and not do it on this episode. 
but we'll definitely do it uh, later on down the road. Uh, anyway, now back to the point of my email. I've been hearing so much good stuff about Arrow and the Flash and seeing buzz about how they might expand the universe even more. So I decided to jump back into Arrow. I'd given up about halfway through the first season. I found that some of the issues that had led me to stop watching don't bother me as much. Part of that might be due to the show improving. And part of it is the ability to binge watch it on Netflix. If one episode is slow or if a plot point is dragged out between too many episodes, I can just start in the next episode. I don't have to wait a week. The soap opera relationship stuff is still a negative for me. But there are good, there are enough good qualities to get to keep me watching. I will say this: in the most recent season of Arrow, that relationship stuff is kind of taking a back seat. Um, so, uh, so I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm having someone text me, even though they know I'm in the middle of a podcast right now. So. Uh, Sorry. Edit. Um, but yeah, that relationship stuff has taken a back seat to, to everything else that's going on. Arrow has gotten really intent on telling a pretty involved story. Um, and man, gosh, the, the relationship that I'm buying into is Felicity and Ray. I don't know if you call that Felicity Ray, Raylicity. I don't know, but man. I'm I'm down with that, and I'm looking forward to uh, Ray Palmer donning that Adam suit and uh, and seeing what happens to him, and seeing how they play that out. That's it's going to be interesting. Uh, he says uh, right now I'm five or so episodes into season two. I like the build up to Barry Allen's introduction, or at least that's what I assume all the Star Labs particle accelerator mentions are. Indeed, it's kind of funny how much they stick out now that I've heard what's coming. And I'm binge watching. I feel like it was probably more subtle to viewers watching the episodes as they came out. I missed it. I completely missed those things as I was watching. I don't really have a great way to watch episodes as they air because I only have free Hulu, so that limits me to a computer. So I'll probably watch this show and The Flash a year later when they come to Netflix. So I plan to listen to archive episodes of Starkville Labs. Switching gears, Agent Carter. So far, I've only been able to watch the first hour, but I really like it. I was thinking about what you said about the show taking place before the Marvel one-shot. But at the beginning of the episode, when it show when it's showing flashes of Peggy doing cool stuff from from Captain America, uh, shooting Cap Shield, etc., it shows a quick shot of Peggy beating up two guys in suits. I'm pretty sure this is from the one shot. I haven't seen the one shot in a while, so I could be wrong. But maybe there's room for this miniseries to take place between the main action of the one shot and Howard Stark's invitation to run Shield at the end. So Peggy takes that secret mission, in the one shot, then she continues at the SSR for a while, secretly taking on missions while on the surface being a glorified secretary. Then after this miniseries ends, Howard Stark calls her and asks her to run S.H.I.E.L.D. What do you think? I No, I disagree. Because, um, because uh, I disagree because that one shot, what happens is she goes and she takes out Zodiac the night that she does that. And then it's the next day she's getting reamed out for doing this. And then the call comes in so yeah it's 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 all that all happens over the course of like a couple of days and nights this is this is definitely before that um i i just think that they showed that just to show that she's pretty ba um and we've seen more and more in that as the as the series has progressed um so yeah uh, let me tell you something i can't encourage you enough to uh 
to maybe pray about getting that Hulu Plus going and and seeing and and getting caught up on this season of Flash and Arrow. It, it's that good. I'm just telling you, it's that good. Uh, Shannon chimes in says, "I've been wanting to write back in to say thank you for all the great comic talk lately. Next to Star Wars, comics are one of my favorite things to chat about. Me too." First, I want to say that I loved your Secret Wars talk a few episodes back. By far the best crossover ever. Yes, it is. I busted out my issues after listening and read them all again. It reminds me of a time when heroes were heroes and villains were villains. That's when... And grooving was grooving. What's that song? What is that song? That's when something was something. Let me Google that for you. And grooving was grooving. What is that song? John John Cougar Mellicamp. Mellicamp? Mellencamp. Um, oh, do I have this song? Because if I do, ladies and gentlemen, we got to hear a little bit of it. Jeez, because that got me thinking. That's when heroes were heroes. And villains were villains. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Oh, please. Please. Yes. I think this is John Cougar Mellencamp, Cherry Bomb. Oh, that's what it is right here. Come on. Let's do some singing. It's kind of like a Rock Out Loud crossover. I lived on the battle world town. I'm totally gonna. Yep. Mm. Had me a couple of real nice girlfriends. Oh, yeah. Everybody, that's when sport was sport. That's when a sport was a sport. And grooving was grooving. And dancing meant everything. Yeah. We were young and we were improving. Yeah. John Cougar Mellencamp. I, I, this is the next song I want to parody. It's very out of date. I understand. It's not like it'd be a fresh thing to do. It's fresh, as the kids say. But, uh, but yeah, that'd be, that'd be good times. That'd be fun. That'd be a good time. Uh, we'll call it instead of Cherry Bomb. It'll be called Secret Wars, and uh, and and we'll talk all about it. Anyhow, back to Shannon's email. I have to admit that as much as I still enjoy the stories in the comics today, I miss the black and white heroes and villains. Personally, I never cared much for making heroes more dark and villain-like, or in always finding out that the villain has misguided motivations. And that he could be the hero at any time. For my money, I want to see Loki scheming, doom plotting, and Green Goblin attempting to make poor Peter Parker's life miserable. I see what you did there, Shannon. You tried to throw in old, some alliteration to, to mess me up. Poor Peter Parker. In the same way, I want to see my heroes without compromising their beliefs. We already live in a world of gray. I don't need my entertainment to reflect the real world that closely. Anyway, that's the end of that rant. I also want to say... Thanks for the shout-outs uh, to the superior and amazing Spider-Man. I have to admit, when I heard that Doc Ock was taking over the body of my all-time favorite hero, I wasn't happy. But just like with the Brand New Day storyline, I gave it a chance, and I'm so glad I did. Dan Slott has taken a lot of crap for what he's put Peter Parker through. There's that, put Peter Parker through. Poor, put poor Peter Parker through. But 
overall, the stories have been some of the best to come out of Spider-Man in a long time. When Peter got his body back, I cheered out loud because of how well the story was done. No, no spoilers, but the current Spider-Verse storyline has also been a ton of fun. I, at, on the Marvel Unlimited app, they've just gotten to the first, the, kind of the prelude to the Spider-Verse. So I'm looking forward to digging in and getting into that. The other book I've really enjoyed is All New X-Men, about the original X-Men getting pulled into modern times and then getting stuck here due to all the damage of the time stream. The book is well-written, and as a diehard X-Men fan, it's refreshing to focus on the original five again. I'm really excited to see how this and the whole new Secret Wars pans out. Keep up the good work, and that's from Shannon. I am too, Shannon. I, I've, I've kind of turned the corner from where I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing this. Why are they doing this? I've turned the corner to... Okay. Let's see what happens, and uh, and let's see what they do because it is it's a really good chance to kind of not necessarily undo everything they've done, but to really come back to a point of as I told Scott on that podcast, come back to the point of a, a status quo um, that we're all trying to defend again. You know, and and I, I don't know that comics are ever going to get away from the big events. Uh, every six months now. It used to be every year. Now it's every six months. I don't know that comics are ever going to get away from that, but I do think that this is a good place to be able to come back to some good good guy versus bad guy kind of stuff. Um, Justin Wiseman chimes in. Luke Skywalker, Texas Ranger. It's been a long time, but I want to let you know that even though I haven't been in the Mixler chat, I've been listening to all the podcasts and will be in the chat for the marathon. He, this was written before the marathon. I want to write you two notes. One, in regards to your weight loss journey. Oh, you mean the journey that I'm currently stumbling upon? Uh, I've just restarted down the path toward weight loss, and the plan I'm using could not have better timing as it, as it coincides with, get ready for it, Rod, the Gold Book Club and their first selection of a work by Tolkien. Recently, I found a site called Nerd Fitness and their Walk to Mordor Challenge. It states that from the front door of Baggins House to Mount Doom and Mortar lies a distance of 1,780 miles. You count your steps each day, and it shows you how far along the journey you would be. For example, at mile 134 is the village of Bree. It, for me anyway, is a great motivational tool to get me walking more and more each day. There's no timetable, and you go at your own pace, but I find myself itching to get home from work, throw the Howard the Shore soundtrack on my iPod, and take a walk around the neighborhood. I know weight loss is tough. But try not to get discouraged as all the effort is worth it. Secondly, I want to give you my theory about Jurassic World. I know you've played the trailer on the show before, but feel free to do it now if you so desire before you read on. I'm not going to do it right now. My theory is that the characters that Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt play are the grown-up Lex and Tim from the first novel slash movie. Now, I must give credit where credit is due. I first heard that theory from a friend, but if it ends up not being true, I'm going to be very upset because it makes the final shot of the trailer a thousand times more epic. That's true. If that's that kid that was running from raptors and now he's training them, yeah. That that really could be... I don't know how old those kids were or... or yeah, what were their ages supposed to be? Does anyone know uh, what the ages of the kids in Jurassic Park was supposed to be um, in that original Jurassic Park? <coughs> Excuse me. I, because I don't. If only we had a device. Let me Google that for you. How old were the kids in Jurassic Park? Um, 
He was eight years old. Let's see. Timothy Tim Murphy. Uh, he's, he's shown to be an 11-year-old boy in the novel. Um, and his eight-year-old sister is an avid sports fan. Apparently, they, they flip those roles. Um, in the, uh, in the movie, um, yeah, in the movie it looks like, so I'm going to say he was eight in the movie and she was 11, or maybe, yeah, somewhere around there, so eight and 11, maybe he was a little bit older, maybe he was 11 and she was like 13, and that was, when did that movie come out? 1994? So 20 years ago, 21 years ago. So he'd be, yeah, they could, that could totally be them. Could totally be them. Yeah. I like it. I like that idea. I also like Bryce Dallas Howard. I'm not going to lie. I think she's just stunning. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm it. I'm down. I'm down 93, Tad. Wow. Are you sure? Was I driving in 93? It would have been. Mm, yes, 93. You're right, 93. I just know I drove to see that movie. So, Tad has has uh, has set me straight on that. So, Tad, thank you so much for that. Tad, uh, Tad from the frat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, mm, man, that one was out for a while. That that one stayed in theaters a while. It it was so popular in our little town. We had a movie theater that only had one screen and they showed, uh, one film a week and they would, you know, they had multiple showings of it, but it was only one, you know, they could only get one a week. And, um, so everything came out a little bit later, uh, and Jurassic park, they actually held over, um, an extra week. And, uh, I went and saw it again. Like, I went and saw it twice uh, because I dug it. So, just saying. Good times. Um, oh, okay. IMDB, according to uh, the Admiral, says the kids' names were Lex and Tim, and Pratt's character's name is Owen. Well, maybe he was Timothy Owen Murphy. Tim changed his name. How about that? Everything about that? Anyhow, Jurassic World. Uh, good theory, Justin, but uh, the chat's kind of shutting you down. So, uh, he, he chimes out or he, he closed out with look forward to being in the chat as much as I can during the marathon chat. It was a great time. Thank you for being a part of it, guys. He says, thank you for all you do and stay geeky, my friend. I don't always geek out, but when I do, it's on geek out loud. Stay geeky, my friend. Dylan Newhouse, first time emailer. I didn't get to it at the marathon because of how messed up. The Geek Out Loud, not messed up, just how packed in the Geek Out Loud portion was. We had Scott Rife and Teresa Delgado, Jimmy Mack, the family of Mack, if you will, showing up. Dave Jones showed up to talk Star Trek, of all things. Um, and, and so we just didn't, I didn't get to the emails like I thought I would, but he says, heard your request for first-time emailers for the marathon, and since my first and only other correspondence was technically addressed to Santa, I thought I might qualify. I know you hear a version of this all the time, but I started listening to you because of how much I enjoyed you on uh, Rebel Force Radio and Force Cast appearances. Now I tune in for everything but the wrestling show. Well, thank you, sir. 
I just wanted to share an idea I was kicking around with a buddy the other day that kind of captured our imaginations and took us all kinds of places. My thesis, by combining the key action figure franchises of the 80s, you could create a shared fictional universe to rival that of DC and Marvel. This is impractical, nay, impossible for multiple reasons, but just imagine. Masters of the Universe, the mythic side of things, the Thor of it all. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the street-level heroes, all on Batman and Daredevil. G.I. Joe, S.H.I.E.L.D., it would be S.H.I.E.L.D. Cobra would be like Hydra. The modern-day Joes were lifted from the S.H.I.E.L.D. concept anyway, as I recall. Transformers, the cosmic element with a technological sci-fi flourish. The new gods, if you will. Remember the Snake Men of Master of the Universe? Yes. Well, Cobra is their foothold on Earth. He-Man's dad, King Randor, was an astronaut from Earth and a G.I. Joe test pilot. The ooze that mutated the turtles, a Decepticon biological weapon in the first big crossover, Unicron shows up, led to Earth by Skeletor. Call it Earth-84. Oh. My. Oh. Mmm. Woo! This kind of crossover is exactly how I played my toys as a kid. Me too, Dylan! With attorney at war with Cybertron and such as. Things really get fun when you add more obscure lines in the mix. Voltron, Silverhawks, Power Lords. The chance of a world created from whole cloth gaining foothold in pop culture are slim, let alone getting enough traction to rival the two big comic publishers. The recognizability of Transformers, G.I. Joe, and He-Man is great enough to live to give this Earth-84 a shot at relevance in comics and movies and games. You name it. Your thoughts? Dylan in Texas. Dylan, this is how I play with my toys. As a kid, this is how I did it. I would take the bad guys, the Empire from Star Wars, and I would take all of their play sets and their ships, and I would build a base along with the Decepticons, along with Cobra. I would take the good guys and take all of their stuff and build a base along with the good guys and the Autobots and G.I. Joe, and and they would just have battles, man. They'd have, they'd have to get to know each other, and then boom, we're off to the races. Pew, 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 pew. You know, watch out, here they come, and, you know, and then send the Falcon in for a last-minute save of Optimus Prime. Yes, sir! I didn't get in. The Turtles were a little bit later than 84, and so I didn't really ever get into the Turtles. But, man, Mask was in there. Um, there were these guys kind of at the tail end of my, like, playing with toys time in my life called the Sky Commanders. They'd get in on some of that action. Um... Of course, He-Man. The He-Man stuff would get in on some of the action with that. Uh, but that definitely... And I would even do this, man, with Hot Wheels cars. I was so into characters and adventure. I would name my Hot Wheels... My Hot Wheels cars would have different personalities to them. And so I would have those cars come alongside, and then they would get guff from the Transformers for not being able to transform. You see. You see where I'm going here. And and we'd have some good times. So, um, there you go. Now, Doc Zen in the chat says Sky Commander came out in um, 2002. But no, these were Sky... Were they Sky Commanders? Weren't they... Wasn't that what they were called? The guys that you had zip lines and such as. Um, Sky Commanders toy line. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Sorry. Oh, I love this. This is I love talking about toys. Let me Google that for you. All right, here we go. Sky Commanders toys. Yes, yes, right. Come on, Google. Google has slowed down for me. Yes, that's what they're called. They're called the Sky Commanders. Sky Commanders. Um, I've still got some of them in my closet up there because they don't really sell for that much. 
but they had these elastic little ropes that connected their arms. I had so many of them. I mean, I guess they were on clearance when my parents got them for me for uh, Christmas or whatever. And, uh, and I mean, and I just had, and I would string them up and, you know, and so you had to have your ships fly through all the crazy stuff they were doing and, and all the weird stuff that was going on with them. And man, good times. I don't know that there was ever a Sky Commander's cartoon, but there was definitely a toy line. Um, might've even been Kenner that put it out. Uh, they were about, the figures were about the same size as, the figures were about the same size as like the mask figures. Um, was it Kenner? Let me look and see if I, yeah, it was Kenner. I'm looking at a box right now with that Kenner logo on it. And, uh, you know, they, they, this was after, man, this was after the Star Wars had calmed down and there were no more Star Wars toys to be found on shelves and that sort of thing. And, and so Kenner was really looking for the line. And I think Kenner did mask toys as well. Mobile Armored Strike Command, um, and, and and they uh, because these these characters were molded really in the same way. Um, they look very similar. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see if I can pull up an image here just to see if it was indeed Kenner who did it. That's not a good. High, I need a high res image. Google, come on, hook me up with a high res image. Does anybody know if that was Kenner? Maybe this guy will. Yes, it was Kenner. Boom, dead on it. Gosh, Kenner, Kenner had some Imagineers, man. I'm not gonna lie. I don't. I don't mean to steal that 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 whole thing from Disney, but they had some Imagineers there at old Kenner. They were doing some stuff. Um, but yeah, my Hot Wheels would be named. I just, you know, of course, and I threw the GoBots in there. By the way, um, I, I came into possession of the first mini series of the GoBots. It was on DVD. And um, five episodes. Watched it. Hanna Barbera produced. Uh, Transformers was, I want to say, Deke. Maybe did Transformers. You know, of course they had the Hasbro connection and the Marvel connection and everything. Sunbow, Sunbow was Transformers. But uh, this was Hanna Barbera. Uh, the GoBots property was. And let me tell you something. You don't get much better than Hanna Barbera animation in. Uh, TV wise, and I mean from G Wiz from when the fifties all the way through into the eighties, uh, and and this was some good times. I was watching this, and it was a pretty well put together story. You know, you only had about three or four uh, GoBots that you got to know from either side, the Guardians or the Renegades, but it was a great setup to go further on into the rest of the series, and. Um, and it makes me kind of want to pick up the rest of that series. A lot of people are like, they're just the Transformers ripoffs. When actually the toy line came out before Transformers, Tonka put out the GoBots. And um, and and I think the toy line was first. I think they were kind of 83 and, and Transformers hit big 84. But they didn't have a TV series until after the success of the Transformers TV series. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a catch-22 for the old GoBots. But anyhow... Uh, they were they would get in my toy plane too. I I would love the idea. And if you've ever read, I want to go back to I talked about Ready Player One. It does very close to this. Um, it brings in a lot more video game type stuff and everything. But there's some of this stuff there. I would I would love to see a, a cinematic GI Joe and Transformers team up. But I want to I want to see them get GI Joe right. Um, 
it, it's it's been done in comics several times uh, with the GI Joe and the Transformers because they're both Hasbro properties. Master of the Universe comes from Mattel. I just want to see a good Masters of the Universe movie. Uh, not that the one in the '80s was bad, but I want to see them go full on, um, you know, Lord of the Rings epic caliber with Masters of the Universe. But man, if we could get those things teamed up, that's how I used to play. Man, that's how I used to play with my toys. Um, Daniel and Indy chimes in. Hey, Steve, I really enjoyed hearing Michael C. Cohen on the show last week. However, having listened to Starkville Labs, the greatest bi-monthly Flash podcast, I have a question. Did Cohen really not know what boxing is? If so, that's... Yes, Cohen knows what boxing is. I also wanted to say I thought Lucas sounded almost sound excited they didn't really use his idea for The Force Awakens. The fact that he'll now get to watch as a fan like we've all done for years is cool. That's true. The non-traversy, if you will, uh, surrounding uh, George Lucas's involvement or lack thereof with the story that we're going to get in The Force Awakens, it's really kind of, and it's got to be freeing for him too because he can say, I didn't do it, you know. And uh, it's, a, it's a thing where if they say, well, why didn't you have George? He can say, well, they didn't ask me. You know that kind of thing, and uh, and so I yeah, good good on him, good on him, and I'm glad that he uh, was able to, and that he's going to be able to do that too because it's something we've always been able to. It's it's something we've always been able to do, and and it was interesting to hear him talk about how he never got to watch it the way we did. Um, Jason Samuel chimes in says, "Longtime listener, first time emailer. When I say longtime listener, I mean I've been listening to your podcast for a third of my life. Yeah, I'm familiar with you, Jason. Like, you're in the feeds. You're you've interacted on Twitter. He said you even got me through my last year and a half of high school. So thank you. I'm now 24. Work as a production assistant for the Vampire Show on the CW. Wow, we shoot in Atlanta. So if you're ever in town, let me know so I can take you out for a meal and show my gratitude. Well, man, thank you, Jason. And uh, I wish I was into the Vampire Show." I would totes uh I would totes put it over, but I've just never really never really watched it. I'm not into the vampire stuff. Uh Michael Cohen talked about Marvel being number three uh, behind in, in, in sales behind Image and DC on his uh, on, on the episode he was on with us. And uh Dominique chimes in, our international man of mystery, and he says, I was wondering if the stats you discussed about Marvel comic book sales drawn by DC and Image are a reflection of the Marvel Unlimited. Take myself, for example. I used to buy each month three DC comics, two Image comics, and seven Marvel comics. Since joining the MU app, I've canceled all of my Marvel books, deciding instead to read stuff six months later, going from more than $21 a month to $10 a month for more comics. I also, in the same time, canceled two of my DC titles since I have an unlimited uh, since I have unlimited comics to read now. So technically, I read way more Marvel than anything else, but sales to me from the from the stands, DC has the lead with one comic versus zero. So are we seeing the effect of the unlimited app? I don't know. I also we also had some people call us out on the Twitter saying that that was not accurate information, and I did what I do best. I threw um, I threw Cohen under the bus and said, "Hey, he said it. I didn't. I just went with what he had to say." Um, Jim Dossie from Ocala, Florida. Jim in Ocala chimes in. He says, Steve, are you the Star Wars kid from that viral video a few years back? No, I'm not. I was already a grown-up when that kid did that. <laughs> I have never been in a viral video. Never been in a viral video. Uh, this will be a good one to go out on here. 
Jason Spencer chimes in. He says, hey, Steve, want to let you know uh, that thanks to your awesome rebelling of the superior, rebelling or retelling of the superior Spider-Man storyline, I released my own recounting of a comic tale that brings me joy, the death of Superman. I'm going to be putting out my walk through this story, the story of his fall, the reign of Superman, and the return of Superman on the Flicks feed here and there, just so I can geek out on some comic book bits for a bit. Thanks for being positive and inspiring podcast. Well, Jason, I think that's awesome, man, and that's a great... If people haven't read that, I can't encourage you enough to figure out a way to pick that storyline up. Everyone can look at it and say it was nothing but a money grab from DC Comics, and it made them money. There's no doubt about that. But they also were careful to tell a good story um, with a lot of emotional moments and big moments that you just expect to see happen. And uh, all throughout, it was really good stuff. Um so that's Jason Spencer, and uh, be looking for that on the old Flix feed. Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Dan. And we're here to tell you about our podcast, Flix. Flix is a podcast that reviews the biggest movies hitting the theaters, such as... Captain America, Winter Soldier... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Amazing Spider-Man. Godzilla. Dolphin Tale 2. What? No. Why would we review Dolphin Tale 2? The first one had Morgan Freeman in it. Morgan Freeman works with Batman. Anyway, we don't only cover the latest, we also cover the greatest. When there isn't a blockbuster hitting the local theater, we're talking about some of our favorites from the past. Movies like The Goonies. Star Wars. Featuring Steve Lawson. Gremlins. Terminator. National Lampoon's Vacation. The Last Airbender. Dude, no one liked The Last Airbender. You did. Stop derailing the promo. (sighs) Now, why should you listen to our show out of all the other movie review podcasts out there? Because we really do love the movies we talk about. And because every couple of years, Steve Glosson comes on and talks Star Wars. Seriously, dude. Hey, know your audience. Fair enough. Listen to Flick's podcast, because we know Steve. I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. And we want you to check out Flash TV Talk. Flash TV Talk is your source for news, reviews, and spoilers for the upcoming CW show, The Flash. But wait, there's more. Every week we get hyped with discussion and commentary on The Flash and his previous TV incarnations, including... Smallville. Justice Justice League Unlimited. Flashpoint Paradox. Young Young Justice. Justice. And more. Accelerate your fandom with us on Flash TV Talk. Search for us on iTunes or find us online at flashtvtalk.podestery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y dot com. Well, come step with me into the corner, ladies and gentlemen, the old Star Wars corner for just a minute, as there's been some interesting um, developments over the past few days that I, I don't, I didn't really know how to handle this or, or what to think when I heard it, because you ever have those situations where you, you hear something take place and you're like, I've talked about this before, I know I have, or I've had situations where I've made jokes in the past 
And then, you know, just to friends and everything. And then I hear a comedian making the same joke. I'm like, oh, now I can never use that again. Um, Stephen Amell has this whole Sin Seriously campaign. I used to tell my friends all the time, and they'd be like, are you serious? I'm like, Sin Seriously, I am. You know, like combining seriously and sincerely. It's like, I really, truly mean this, and I'm totally serious. Um, And such as, well... On the recent episode of Rebel Force Radio, good friend of the show, and I mean good friend of the show, he's always got great things to say about us, at Joey1Kenobi on the Twitter, uh, Joe Trevano, uh, had an appearance on Rebel Force Radio. And uh, number one, I always get jealous when other people get to go on Rebel Force Radio, and I do not. I mean, I'm just going to put that out there. All right? I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very scared of losing my spot with those guys. Uh, and my spot is the B team, the C, maybe the C team. The point is this, I feel like I got a spot with those guys and I get very scared of losing it. You know, it's just, I'm just being honest right now. Just, just bearing my heart and soul. And Joey one Kenobi at Joey one Kenobi on the Twitter, Joey Trevano came on. He's got a blog and I want to pimp that out right now. It's uh retrozap.com retrozap.com. And he does a great job of keeping his blog updated and keeping it going on and um he wrote a blog about padme not dying of a broken heart in revenge of the sith and as he began to talk about this to those guys i'm like i we've talked about this on geek out loud i know we have and we talked about this very thing because spoiler alert what what Joey posits is that Palpatine killed Padme. That while Anakin was being born and Padme, or while Darth Vader rather, was being really fully realized and Padme was dying, that her force was being ripped away from her to be channeled into Anakin. Now, I feel like that's a little specific. Um, however, I, I do... You know, I knew, I knew we had, and I to the point that I thought he may have emailed in. Now this comes from back around the summer of 2014, so this is like six, seven months ago on on the show, and it was Tim Hill chiming in. Got to give the man credit where credit is due, and I want to revisit this. Email. He says, I was listening on the live goal when you were talking about Anakin's ghost and the Emperor never telling him that he lied about killing Padme. And I thought I would share my feelings on how Padme died. Now, I was very much um, talking about just the fact that this, this guy, this Emperor, and I do kind of remember this, that this Emperor had um, basically said, you killed her, when the truth of the matter is, is Anakin didn't necessarily physically kill her. But what Palpatine did was so evil, he just let him go the rest of his life thinking he did it. Um, <clears throat> Tim goes on to say, this is just my theory, it may sound stupid to you or anyone else, but I completely believe that Palpatine killed Padme. We know that Palpatine's master could manipulate the Force to keep those he cared about from dying. We also know that he taught his apprentice everything he knew before being killed in his sleep. If he could manipulate the Force in such a way as to keep people from dying, wouldn't it also mean he could easily have the ability to use it to kill them as well. Palpatine knew that the one thing that could be a threat to Anakin's fall to the dark side would be his love for Padme. 
She could have brought him back just as his son eventually did. He simply killed her himself using the teachings of his master. She literally died while Anakin was being put into the Vader armor. How else did Palpatine know that she was even dead? Killing her and telling him that he had done it himself was the ultimate way to make sure Vader would be his puppet forever. Why didn't Obi-Wan sense it? Well, why didn't they sense Sidious when he was sitting right in front of them or talking to them? The dark side clouds everything. Could I be reading too much into it? Sure. But it makes more sense than she's lost the will to live. That doesn't fit the character of Padme at all, especially not with her last words being, they're still good in him. What do you think? Now, as I recall, with this particular thing, and I recall it based on his follow-up email, um, Teresa Delgado was on, and we talked about this very concept. We talked about this idea. And as I recall, I disagreed with it. And now, six, seven months later, I realize it's not a bad theory at all. And I don't know why. I don't know why I disagreed with it. I'd have to dig up the audio and find it. So if someone wants to find where that audio is from, this comes, the email, the initial email was from, um, was from May 21st. The follow-up email was from May 31st. So if there's an episode of Geek Out Loud that was released between those 10 days that had Teresa on it, uh, that's where it was. I guess I could have done this before we got into the show proper and actually found this thing. <laughs> Stupid Steve. God. So dumb. Um, and, and, and so anyhow, um, I, I knew I'd heard this theory and I heard Joey on it talking about it. And I'm not saying Joey got it from us. I'm not saying he got he got this idea from um I'm not saying he got this idea from from Geek Out Loud at all because I disagreed with it at the time. I wrote it off as no. I don't think so. And I and I don't know what we went into. I don't know what my reasoning was. That's what I'm really interested about is what was my reasoning for this whole thing um to do I I mean it's before episode 100, guys. This is it it's way on back there. Um, if I had the old setup, if I hadn't have changed the setup on the page, I could have gone to it in a much quicker fashion than I'm going to it now. I'm almost there. Um, we're going to find out. I want, I just want to find out. I want to see if we can find it. I'm sorry to do this live on the show. I should have done this, uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, all right, we had Erish on. We had uh, okay. Here we go. This is it. This this has to be it from May thirtieth of two thousand fourteen. Disney Star Wars Weekends twenty fourteen. Teresa Delgado joined Steve to recount their adventures in Orlando. The Disney Star Wars Weekend also included email snippets and a special present for Steve from Teresa. Move over, Carl. There may be a new bromance blossoming. All right, let's see what we got here. Um. Oh. Shotglassdigital.com. All right, I'm jumping into about the 20 minute mark to see what we can do here. See if it'll catch up. I, this little player doesn't really work that well. I should do it some other way. If only, if only I had these episodes readily available at my hand. That's episode 89, by the way. Episode 89. All Teresa. Actually not. I mean, I know MacGyver. Not MacGyver, just Guyver. No, but no. What Gu is that? Guyver. All right, we're talking Guyver. We'll jump to the 32-minute point. 
Um, Joey makes some great points in his in his blog, by the way. The fact that we never hear the term "she died of a broken heart." With my husband is a pretty healthy relationship, but here we are talking about it. He has become a part of my life in a way that nobody else ever has. And mm-hmm. I've thought about this, like putting myself like in the position of Padme, or if something really bad were to happen to him, and we don't have kids or anything yet, and I can see myself going to a really really dark place. And not dying, but like a really, really dark place. Now, if I had kids and they were a couple years old or something like that, then I would, you know, fight to try to help things be as easy for them as possible. But with it just being me, I don't know what would happen to me. So I kind of looked at it from that perspective. Um, and I feel I feel bad for her. Yeah. You know, I really do because she gave so much of herself and I, I feel like Anakin was selfish. Selfish! Yeah. <laughs> Why are you just getting ticked at Anakin there? <laughs> I mean, you know, there was a little bit, I, and I'm not, I don't disagree with you, but I think there was a little bit of selfishness on her part as well. You know, she she talked to him during Attack of the Clones. They're talking and she's like, look, we can't do this. I'm a senator and... Everyone knows senators don't have love relationships, and you're a Jedi. So, yeah, that brought us into a whole big discussion on their relationship. I do remember that now. My my memory hath been jogged. Tim followed up his email by saying, I really appreciated hearing your and Teresa's thought on my theory, even though you didn't agree with it. I still choose to look at it that way because it answers the questions for me, such as how did Palpatine know she was dead? And that's true. That's a good question because the way the movie shows us is that we is that all these things were happening at the same time. I'm just saying that Joey Trevano, Trevano Tavano, let me, he's in the chat. Let me make sure I've got the last name right. Tavano was, I mean, look, great blog. And the way it's spelled out there, it kind of convinced me with one exception. Why couldn't he sense that Obi-Wan and Yoda were there in her presence? That's the only thing that kind of bothers me, I, you know, um, is that he'd become so powerful that he would have sensed, if he was doing that, he would have sensed those two Jedi there with her, right there next to her. Um, I like the idea that he killed her, uh, that, that, you know, that, that he's responsible for it, and it's definitely not invalid, and, um... And I'd also like to uh, tell Joey One Kenobi, I was disappointed that you never gave Geek Out Loud a shout out while you were on Rebel Force Radio. Here's see, here's the rule, guys. When you go on other podcasts, if you're a member of the Goliverse, and by listening to this show, you are a member of the Goliverse. You you mentioned Geek Out Loud. You just mentioned Geek Out Loud. Um, you know, I, I can understand ignoring the twins. I don't know that I can even understand ignoring the twins because I don't think that Palpatine would ignore that loose end. You know these children are going to be born strong with the Force. You just have to believe it. Because, And the reason I say that is because Qui-Gon asks Shmi when, when he discovers Anakin's power and the Force, he says, who was the father? Who was the father? Um, You have to believe that they know that there's going to be some type of repercussion from, you know, force sensitivity-wise for these children. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, uh, listen, it's a great theory, well thought out. 
and a great blog, RetroZap.com, a uh, member of the Goliverse, Joey Tavano, on Rebel Force Radio. And I will say this, he did give us a great shout-out. He gave Rebel Yell a great shout-out as he was talking about uh, his theory um, concerning Qui-Gon's, or I'm sorry, concerning uh, Luke's lightsaber and where he got the crystal to make um, Luke's lightsaber. So, uh, you know, I and I appreciated a shout-out there on that. I always appreciate geek, appreciate, appreciate geek Out Loud shout-outs. But uh, Joey did a great job with those guys, and it's a great theory, and I just want to retroactively say to Tim, you may have been right, and there are more people on your side than you would have ever believed, sir. And I hope you're still listening. And I hope that one day we can be friends. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying about that. Wait before we do this. Uh, not quite a snippet, but I do want to talk about a couple of these Super Bowl spots that we got. Particularly this one. Okay, folks. She's a little shy, so give her a hand when she comes out. Attraction. Think it'll scare the kids? This will give the parents nightmares. He just went and made a new dinosaur? Probably not a good idea. It's killing for sport. You got 20,000 people with nowhere to go. We're going after it with everything we got. We're safe in here, right? Oh, man. Let me tell you something. You've got an island full of dinosaurs. You've got kids in danger. Oh, and you've got... Whoa! You've got Chris Pratt trained in raptors, for crying out loud. This movie is probably going to be horrible. But it's not going to prevent me from watching it. I'm not I don't know if it's going to be horrible. I think it's going to be great. I am a fan of all three Jurassic Parks. I think Lost World is really good. I think it falls apart a little bit when they get back to LA. Um <clears throat> but all the stuff on the island was great. I really dig Jurassic Park 3. I think Jurassic Park 3 is a very good movie, great story. The pterodactyls were cool and scary and everything they need to be. You're not just dealing with a T-Rex anymore. You're dealing with that big dinosaur with a fin, you know, that's coming up the river at them. And it just, it worked. And there was that subplot with the eggs and the raptors and all this other stuff. So um, I'm, I think this is going to be a great movie. And that was a great TV spot. Great, great TV spot for them. Um, and I think the thing that sticks out most is Chris Pratt's character. Apparently his name is Owen. Training some raptors, man. Has raptors on his side. We're going to come at that thing with everything we've got. Well, let's talk some Fantastic Four, guys. The Fantastic Four, starring Reed Richards, Sue Richards, Johnny Storm, Ben Grimm, 
of a thousand men. Johnny, wave on, Torch, and Sue, the Invisible Girl. The Fantastic Four, united in their fight against interplanetary evil. Fantastic. Um, I got to tell you, that is the 1967 Fantastic Four cartoon. Um, I believe, I'm sorry, I'm trying to find some credits here uh, as they're opening up. I believe this was a Hanna-Barbera joint as well. And, um, you know, because it's got that 60s feel to it. Oh, my Lanta, I feel a sneeze coming on. Sorry about that. Yeah, Hanna-Barbera Hanna production. So, um, man, Hanna-Barbera had some great... I'm telling you, 60s, even the Johnny Quest stuff, the Space Ghost stuff, the uh, we've talked Herculoids and that sort of thing before, really dig it, really dig it. But we've finally gotten an official trailer for this year's Fantastic Four film. Um, and... A lot of people dig it, man. There are a lot of people who are saying great things about it. I don't understand any of those people. Let's 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 do this. Let's listen to it. And we'll break it down. Donnie D, break it down. How did we get this far? Human beings have an immeasurable desire to discover. on us furthering these ideas. A responsibility that rests on the shoulders of generations to come. But with every new discovery, there is risk. August 7th of this year, Fantastic Four hits theaters. And, I, okay, oh my gosh, it's so not fun to watch this trailer. <laughs> it's just not fun. Um, you know, there's the shot of them in the garage as kids doing something. This is right out of Ultimate Fantastic Four. 
uh, and, and a lot of people I think would, would gravitate to that because it's more, let me use my quote fingers here. Dink, dink real world. Um, I, I went back on the Marvel unlimited app and read the original fantastic four. Number one there, they encounter the mole man and he blows his Island up and all this stuff. Uh, and their origin does stretch credulity, not just because they get superpowers, but how they go about doing it. Ben Grimm is a test pilot. They want to study cosmic rays. Grimm is telling Reed Richards, no, we don't need to do this. You don't know what they can do. He's like, it'll be safe. I've got the best pilot in the world. It's like, all right, we'll do this. Sue Storm says, well, you're not going without me. And Johnny says, well, you're not going without me. And it's like, okay, that's weird. Reed's like, okay, sure, come along. We'll all do this together. And they go up in this space. They have to sneak into... um, so they're breaking laws to do it. They sneak into the launch facility to go so they can get to the cosmic storm, the cosmic ray storm, so they can study these things. And these rays penetrate the shielding of the ship. It penetrates them. They develop superpowers. Um, yeah, that's not going to fly in a modern telling of the Fantastic Four. Uh in the in the ultimate Fantastic Four, it's more closely tied to interdimensional travel, going into the negative zone, that sort of thing. Um, they just... Look, this is a minute and 45 second trailer. This is 105 seconds of a movie set with a tone and everything that I don't know... You, you have to feel like that the tone of the trailer is what the tone of the movie is going to be. Okay? No fun, very serious... You know, there's a lot of crying. There's a lot of intensity going on. And and because the trailer is built that way, you have to feel like that's what's what it's going to be. The the Age of Ultron stuff that we've seen, it there's been very little humor in that as opposed to some of the stuff we saw in the original Avengers trailer. And so you get the idea that the stakes are raised. Well, here we don't know what the stakes are to be raised. And then everything we've heard about some of the characterizations, these characters, it just makes you wonder, why are we not seeing Doom? Is there a reveal there? That kind of leads me to what I like about this. We're getting glimpses of their powers in action here. We're seeing the thing kind of bust out of a rock. We're seeing, we see them all kind of in silhouette right at the end of the trailer. Mr. Fantastic reaches off screen and the shot is very fast. You can tell his arm is stretching, but the shot's very fast so you don't get to see the full effect of it. You see someone down the hall go up in flame, but you don't see the full effect of what's going on. Their suits are very lame. I'm sorry, I went back negative. I like the fact that they're not giving away all the good stuff in this trailer, I like the fact that we're not seeing a bunch of powers being used. And, and also, we're still six months out at this point. So, you know, there's a reason. But as I do with all of these type things, I go back and I've got to compare it to what's come before. Um, and I don't mean the the unreleased Fantastic Four movie uh, that Roger Corman did back in the 90s. I mean the 2005 Fantastic Four that was met very lukewarmly at best. Um, and, and just to take a look at this trailer, I couldn't find a teaser per se. This is a two minute, 26 second trailer, um, for the Fantastic Four. And I immediately remembered it when, uh, I saw this. Exposure to a high energy cosmic storm. 
could advance our knowledge about planetary life. To our future. I don't trust him. We got what we wanted. Just worried about what he wants. Four times the action, four times the adventure. And now we're seeing them all get bombarded with those cosmic rays. Your entire biophysical structure is changing. That's terrible news. I think I'll get a second opinion. Four times the fantastic. The cloud has fundamentally altered our DNA. That's gross. Reed, look at me. I can't. From his core. You don't want to walk around on fire for the rest of your life, do you? Is that a trick question? Come on, am I the only guy who thinks this is cool? What if we got these powers for a reason? I've always wanted power. Victor, you always thought you were a god. Let's not fight. No, let's. Never do. Thank you, so are you. <laughs> Chris Evans as Johnny Storm in that original one. Guys, I'm watching this two-minute, 26-second trailer. We're seeing Flame on. We're seeing Ben Grimm the thing. And, and people kind of complain about his look. I was, I was okay with it. I mean, it was what it was. They went with a suit rather than CG, which may have been a mistake. But Michael Chiklis was great. He was a fan of the Fantastic Four going into this thing. So he was all about... Uh, being able to be Ben Grimm, being able to play the thing. Um, Chris Evans caught the spirit of Johnny Storm, just kind of being, you know, happy-go-lucky, hot-headed guy. Um, Jessica Alba was a little too preachy and over-the-top with some of the Sue Storm stuff. But, man, Ian, I don't know how to pronounce his name, the guy who played Reed Richards. I, just when I heard him talking, I'm like, he really kind of captures that spirit of Reed Richards from the classic Fantastic Four comics. Now... We're looking at these teenagers step in this role, basically. And I love Kate Mara, and I love, um, I love Michael B. Jordan. These are guys that I'm familiar with some of their work, and I think their work is great. Um, and you know, it, when it comes to the Fantastic Four in 2005 casting, I think all the casting was great. I think Jessica Alba might have been a little misstep, but I don't think that, you know, she was horrible by any stretch of the imagination. Just, you know, maybe a little miscast. I, I feel like the, the writing for her character was a little bit off. I feel like sometimes people don't quite know what to do with Sue anymore unless she's in that family dynamic of having a kid, being married, and that sort of thing, 
whereas this is pre-marriage, pre-Franklin. Um, but but I, I feel like her character was a little bit miswritten. But I'm just going to say, I mean, straight up, this this trailer for the one that's coming out here, I wish I could be super stoked about it, but I'm just looking at it and I'm like, eh. I, I don't like their suits. I don't like the feel and the tone of this trailer if that's what this movie is going to be. And I don't want to add to a bunch of negativity that's already out there. But, you know, you've got people working on this thing who I really believe, just like with uh, the guy who did the, first, the those original Fantastic Four movies, the director was a huge fan of the Fantastic Four. Um, and, and But at the same time, it just didn't come across fully on screen the way that you hope that it would. Tim Story was the director of of the of both of them, of Fantastic Four and Rise of the Silver Surfer, and he is a he is a self he is an admitted um, Fantastic Four fan, and so he really wanted to do justice to this franchise. And I don't think that he did injustice to it. I think it was just missing just a little bit of something. Same way that, you know, with Galactus, and I tell you, I, I'm not going to play it because it's not fair to play the teaser for Rise of the Silver Surfer because that thing is just awesome. It shows the chase with Johnny and the Silver Surfer from the opening of that movie, and it ends with the Silver Surfer grabbing Johnny by the neck, flying him up into the outer atmosphere, and dropping him. And um, I don't think it's fair to compare that to this teaser for this for this movie that's trying to start a franchise um you know reed doesn't look like reed to me the guy playing reed richards doesn't look like even a young reed richards to me um kate is is again i think kate mar is an incredible actress and i think she'll be fine in her role you know she's going to bring whatever she's told to bring to this obviously none of these guys are fans someone told me that they were told not to read the comics you know, I don't know if that's true or not, um, but this I'm t- it all feels like it's straight out of Ultimate Fantastic Four, and I didn't really care for Ultimate Fantastic Four. I just didn't. They say from the studio that brought you X-Men Days of Futures Past in this thing, and I don't know that that's something to brag about, um, but they're definitely fresh out of college kids doing their thing, you know, doing their stuff. And Ben Grimm plays baseball. I always thought he played football in the comics, as I recall. You know, he was always a tough guy. Ben Grimm was never a skinny... He wasn't the skinny guy who, you know, got all these powers. He was already kind of a big, tough guy. And uh, and so what he turned into was just kind of almost a manifestation of, of his already mental stuff. Doctor Doom is some kind of blogger or something. I don't know how that plays into anything that we're seeing on screen so I don't even know if that's true to this point. I, I can't remember where I read that or if that's even a confirmed thing. But um, so I like the—I guess I like the logo. Okay, we did have an email about this that I, I feel like I need to get into. It's um, <clears throat> it's it's again from Andy. Let me Google that for you, Lindeman. He says, uh, just watch both the trailer and the trailer with the commentary for the Fantastic Four trailer. Not familiar with the Ultimate Side of the FF. Hope you've got some insight into this trailer. Like, who's the dude standing by what looks like a hospital bed or gurney and says, what is coming? That's not the actor playing Reed, is it? I don't know. I don't know. He says, I was surprised. And by the way, Fant Forstick is kind of what happened with the title for the fourth game in the Thief series. 
the working title was Thief with a four where the H should be, which honestly makes a lot less sense than Fantastic because it at least places replaces the letter A in Fantastic and there's no A in Thief. Have a great day. Um, so yeah, I, I the logo is all right with me. I'm okay with it. You know, as a like I say, as a as a longtime Fantastic Four fan, the um, the you know the four is in a circle, not in a square. But that's you know that's neither here nor there. You know, circle gets the square. That's fine. That's fine. Um, but, you know, and then looking at this, uh, I, I tell you, based on, I'll, I'll be honest with you here, I, it's Reed, the, the scene that Andy's talking about there, looks to be Reed next to the gurney, and based on some of the images, leaked images we've seen, that's doom on the gurney. Let's let's see if we can get a listen on this real quick. Um, Be ready for what's coming. What is coming? The answers. The answers, and then as I said, we see them all in silhouette. It's very ultimate Fantastic Four, right down to Sue's outfit with the short sleeves and the gloves. Um, it, it's cool seeing them in silhouette. I'm not a fan of their outfits though. I can't tell if Ben Grimm has pants on. As the thing, he's definitely got that rock, that rocky hide to him. Um, you know, he looks cool from this, from the one shot that we're really seeing him in, in silhouette. The thing looks good. Uh, Michael B. Jordan is a great actor. He's going to be great as Johnny, whatever he's bringing to the table. I'm not familiar with Miles Teller, who, if that's the guy who's playing Reed Richards, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but Kate, as I say, Kate Mara, it, you know. Um, okay, I'm, I'm there, you know, I, I, and, and here's the thing, I will be in a theater, you know, given the, uh, given the opportunity, I'll be in a theater to watch this movie. Um, I'm not against it. Uh, Jamie Bell is playing Ben Grimm and that's the other thing. I'm not, the only actors I'm familiar with in this thing is, is Michael B. Jordan and Kate Mara. I'm not familiar with any of these other, uh, actors here. Very young so I, a lot of people dig it. And if you dig this trailer, if you think it's something special, something really good, I want to hear from you because I want to know what you think makes it great. You know, whether you're a Fantastic Four fan or not. Um, if, if you are, um, then definitely want to hear from you. If you're not a Fantastic Four fan, you see this trailer, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Email us, geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Now, before we go, there is one other controversy that we have to touch on, a controversy, if you will, that we have to touch on um, to, to make sure that we all understand something. When the Star Wars The Force Awakens trailer came out, um, there was a lot of questions about who is... Who is the voiceover? And it's been confirmed again and again that it was Andy Serkis. Now, there are some people who say that Andy Serkis's voice has been pitched down, that there's been some effects added to it. You know, Jimmy Mack, very, you know, audio genius, audio engineering genius, Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio has said, of course, they're putting some effects on his voice. They've had some emails over there. Um, you know, we didn't, I listened to him do Caesar, listen to him do this. 
And um, <clears throat> I, you know, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. But apparently, there's been a lot of work done for Andy Serkis's voice in this trailer. This comes from, I don't know if I should, uh, I don't know if I should name this person because it's a, it's a top secret source. He says, after listening to Rebel Force Radio and the controversy of Andy Serkis's voice, uh, and if Andy Serkis's voice has had any audio manipulation in the Force Awakens trailer, I found something. I agreed with Jimmy Mack that Andy's voice must have some kind of audio enhancements done to it. What I found on the internet shows just how much work was done to achieve the deep voice we hear in the trailer. I was able to locate the original uncut version of the dialogue with no enhancements. I think you'll agree the folks at Skywalker Sound did an amazing job. I went ahead and reinserted the audio into the current trailer, just like David Collins inserts that deleted music on Star Wars Oxygens, and just like Phil Collins inserts himself into Disney films. <laughs> Saying all this, I think the original voice better explains the panic on John Boyega's face at the beginning. Um, he goes on to say, P.S. I didn't feel it was appropriate to send straight to Rebel Force Radio because I don't want those guys trying to discover my source. And, you know, they will jump on a source. So we're going we're gonna to leave this individual um, uncredited. Just know, sir, that I appreciate it. And if you dig up anything else like this, get it to us. And then and what I'm going to do after I play this here. Uh, just to be the first, I'm going to pass it along to the Rebel Force Radio guys uh, because I feel like they've got a, a broader um, outreach on something like this. And Jimmy Mack will really be able to listen to it and, and really explain exactly all that they did to the voice of Andy Serkis in this trailer. This is the original recording of Andy Serkis. Uh, it's been inserted into the trailer and it is, um, it is how it was done before there were any audio enhancements or audio effects put on it. And it's pretty exciting. Let's give it a listen. There has been an awakening! Have you felt it? So there you go. That's that is uh, according to my source the uh, unmanipulated Andy Circus audio uh, that was recorded for the trailer for The Force Awakens. Thanks to our anonymous source for that incredible information. Thanks to everyone who joined us at Mixer.com slash Goliverse. I really appreciate you guys tuning in live. 
Don't forget, if you want to listen to our other Goliverse shows like Disney Vault Talk, Rock Out Loud, Mark Out Loud, uh, Know What I'm Saying, any of those, they all are on their own specific feeds on iTunes now. And if you're getting this through any through any of your podcatcher feeds, uh, you're going to have to subscribe to those individually. Geek Out Loud is now back on its own. And glad to be so here in the Goliverse. Uh, we're going to be working up a catch-all feed for those of you who'd rather get that, uh, get all the shows that way through a catch-all feed. We'll be working that up soon. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, uh, at Geek Out Loud. I'm at Steve Glosson and, of course, at Goliverse. Facebook.com slash Geek Out Loud is the Facebook page. And our email, of course, is geekoutonline.com at gmail.com. Really excited about the Goliverse Book Club. You want to find out more about it, go to geekoutonline.com slash reads. We've set up a Goodreads Goliverse group. We're in the midst of our first reading, the first book we've done, uh, The Hobbit. And we'll be talking about that, I think we said two months from the time it was decided, so sometime in March. So jump on with that, and we're still working out how we're going to do that particular episode of Geek Out Loud. But head over to geekoutonline.com slash reads. Geekoutonline.com slash reads. It'll take you to the Goodreads site, and you can register and get on board. A lot of different stuff going on at the Goodreads Goliverse Book Club. If you want to support the show, do so by heading over to geekoutpodcast.com or geekoutonline.com and doing your Amazon shopping through the links provided at those sites. It helps the shows out immensely, helps us pay all the hosting fees and everything. That's a lot of times what that, uh, those, the, the little bit of money that comes in from Amazon does for us. If you want to support the shows directly, patreon.com slash geekoutloud, patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Become a patron over that way. Get your name on the Goliverse Wall of Fame. Check out the exclusive podcast, Iron Man 3, coming to the exclusive pod this weekend. And for those of you who are at the $15 level or higher, those exclusive shirts are on the way. We just had a new $50 level donor, and so we'll be getting with them about uh, their episode that they're going to produce. We've still got a few more donors we've got to get on the show for their episodes. So get in touch with me, guys. Geek out online at Gmail. Dot com. Guys, I appreciate your support. Appreciate you listening. You make life worth living. Once again, thanks to uh, and thanks to Joey Tavano at Joey One Kenobi for letting me completely um, make like he stole something from the Geek Out Loud. Thanks to Tim Hill for being patient and giving me six months to come around to his way of thinking. And once again, thanks to our anonymous source for that amazing audio. Got a lot happening in the Goliverse tomorrow night. It's Rebel Yell with myself, Teresa Delgado, and a guest. Later on the week, we've got some Disney Vault talk. A lot happening in the world of wrestling we'll talk about. Kristen is pumped to do some Rock Out Loud. So hang with us, guys, in the Goliverse. We appreciate your support. We're proud part of Shot Glass Digital. You can find all the great audio content at shotglassdigital.com. Until next time, I'm Steve Glosson, and we'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud. So much, baby, outside the club, cheering.